Leviticus chapter 16, verse 12. Man, it feels good in the house of the Lord today. Somebody came to worship, and you can feel it, man. Man. He shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. He shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense of on the fire before the Lord and the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. And then Psalm 141 verse 2 says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. There's just something about worship. The God that we serve, he loves worship. And so for a few moments today, we're going to talk about worship, what it means to God, and just the change that is brought forth through worship. And the, the title sounds a little odd, but I promise you it's going to make sense in a little bit. But today we're going to preach for a few moments on this thought, body odor. Body odor. Somebody said, woo, like they smell it over there. I, <laughs> Before we get into the word, let's lift up our hands as that evening sacrifice. And I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray, Lord, open my heart to receive your word. Lord, open up my spirit that whatever it is that you want to, whatever seed from your word you want planted within me. Father, God, we open up ourselves to you, Jesus, asking that you would pour into us. God, your, your spirit is here. Your, your, your presence has manifested in this place. And now as your word goes forth, Lord, I pray that it fall on good ground. God, take root in our hearts and in our lives. Help me today, Jesus, to preach to your precious church. We love you and we give you all the praise and the glory that's due unto your name. The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The mighty name of Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands and give that... Why don't you shout that name one time? Amen. Amen. High five your neighbor and tell them you got body odor. <laughs> also want to give honor to my wife. We celebrated four years of marriage this past week. We, uh, for those of you that may not know, we pastor a church in Baton Rouge and have service this afternoon, and so she is there getting all the stuff ready that has to get, has to be done before, and so I give her much thanks, and, and I love her so much. There is one of your five senses that is completely different from the rest in how it operates and how it communicates with your body. It is referred to as the fifth sense because of how different it is from the other four. You have a superpower right under your nose. And as a matter of fact, that superpower, it is your nose. You see, there's 10 billion optic nerves 
in each of your eyes. So 20 billion nerves between your two eyes. But people can detect over 1 trillion unique scents. Over 1 trillion scents can be detected by your nose. Even how we communicate our own scent is very different. Everyone has a unique odor similar to the same way that you have a very unique fingerprint. No two people smell the same except for identical twins. That may sound like I am advocating your body odor over deodorant, and I promise you, I am not. So any of you in the room there says, well, Pastor Taylor says my smell is unique, so I'm going to embrace that. Please do not embrace Old Spice before you embrace that. What separates the sense of smell and brings it to almost superpower level, however, is the fact that it gives us a very distinct link to our past. Smell has a very powerful link to memory and links to the emotional regions of the brain more directly than any other of the senses. Scent works in the opposite direction of other senses. With sight, sound, and taste, we identify the information first and then react to it emotionally. Identification and then emotional reaction. However, with scent, we have an emotional reaction first and then identify the scent thereafter. That's what makes this sense so unique. It's why you can easily be transported back to your childhood whenever you smell a certain smell. You can easily, any, any Play-Doh people in the house, whenever you smell Play-Doh, that Play-Doh just has this scent that, it, I want a candle, I want a Play-Doh candle, I love that smell. Or if, if anybody had a grandma that used to bake cookies, or, or, or some kind of special treat whenever you smell it. Whenever you walk into your grandparents' house, it's like you're immediately transported back to whenever you were entering that place as a child. Any coffee lovers in the house? Raise your hand if you like coffee. Whenever you smell it brewing in the morning, it's like automatically your senses are heightened because your body responds to the smell. It knows what is incoming. I'm about to get caffeinated, and I'm about to be a much better human. Don't really talk to me in the morning until the caffeine hits. And as nostalgic or as even comedic as it can be, we must not neglect the importance of smell in the spirit. You see, God's design is divine, and there's a reason for everything. The scriptures are full of different cases, situations, and stories that have to do with the sense of smell. Even worship in the Old Testament, it had a very certain aroma to it. We read it in the beginning, Leviticus 16. He shall take the censer full of coals of the fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of the sweet incense beaten small and shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord. You see, the incense was a mixture of frankincense, myrrh, anica, and galbanum. The priest would take a hot coil from the altar and place it on the censer that the incense would be sprinkled on and the smoke would have a smell on purpose. 
It was the indicator that the priest was about to enter into the holiest of holies and that he was about to place the blood of atonement on the mercy seat. And the smoke of the incense was used to create a thin veil to separate the priest from the pure, unadulterated glory of God that would fill that room whenever the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. You see, worship had a certain fragrance then. And I declare unto you this morning that worship has a fragrance now. Not from the physical incense of a censer, but from the spiritual incense of a walking temple, of a living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and that you are not your own? So that every time that you worship, you are lifting up an aroma into the heavens that draws the Spirit and draws the presence of the Lord and where the smoke in the Old Testament was meant to create a veil of separation this smoke that we lift up in worship is an invitation for God to meet us in any valley for God to meet us in any problem for God to meet us in any place in this walk of life our worship will bring the spirit of the Lord right where we are Because he's drawn to that smell. He's drawn to the aroma of your worship. And the same way that a certain fragrance reminds us of a certain time or place, the fragrance of of worship will remind God of altars in the past. Every time that you worship and that fragrance is lifted up to the heavenlies, God is reminded of every single time that you've made your way to an altar and given yourself unto him. God is reminded of every single time that you made your way and knelt at your bedside as you cried before him because there was something going on in your life that you knew was too much for you. He is reminded of every single time that you built an altar in your life because he knew or you knew that there was something that that he could do that only he could do. There was a way that you needed him to make that nobody else could make. Whenever you begin to lift up worship unto God, that aroma... That aroma reminds him of every single time that in your life you built an altar and begin to worship him and humble yourself before him. He's reminded of promises that he gave you. He's reminded of prophecies that were spoken over you. He's reminded of your children that you know are going to come home. He's reminded of every single time that he spoke to you at any given altar. He's reminded of that whenever you worship him. And he's not just reminded of the promises that he made at altars that you built. He's reminded of the promises that he made on every single altar that was ever built. 
Whenever you worship, you remind God of altars from the past. You remind him of a promise that he made to Noah at an altar built after the flood that he would hold his judgment back. You remind him of covenants that he made with Moses at Mount Sinai that he will be a God that provides and protects his people. You remind him of the power that he displayed at the altar where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal and it reminds him of every single one of those promises in the Old Testament and every single one of those promises in the New Testament and it reminds him of every word that he spoke over you in your life and that's why worship is so powerful because it is the fragrance of God's faithfulness it is the fragrance of God's goodness it's the fragrance of every promise and every prophecy that he's ever given me or you. So the next time that you're in a valley, I challenge you, don't you dare build a house or a hut to live in, but you build an altar to worship at, uh, that in that valley, the aroma might be lifted up. You may not be able to get over that mountain, but I'm telling you, that smell, that aroma, that smoke of worship, uh, it'll get higher than that mountain. Uh, it'll be greater than that mountain uh, because once it gets to heaven and it hits God, he's going to sense it. He's going to know it. Uh, and he's going to meet you right where that altar is. The next time that you're up against something that you've never faced before, don't build a fortress of fleshly ability. Build a fortress that is the name of the Lord. Because your worship has an aroma. And the same way that, that, that you have a very distinct smell chemically, your worship, God knows. God knows. Pastors, pastors built an altar today. Ricky's built an altar today. Casey's built an altar today. Because your worship has a scent. Your worship has an aroma that attracts the spirit of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a smell. In the same way that our spirits, the same way that our spirits have an aroma so does the house of the Lord. The same way that our spirits have an aroma, so does the body of Christ. The body of Christ has an odor. And it smells like worship. The body of Christ smells like the fragrance of prayer. The body of Christ smells like the oil of anointing that is being poured out. It smells like the fields of battle that have been fought for regional dominion. The, the, the body of Christ, it smells like the prayers of, of, of a grandma and, and a grandfather, of a mom, of a dad, of a son, of a father that have been prayed and saturated. The, the, the carpet with tears. Those, that, that carpet hasn't just been saturated with tears, but it's been saturated with the fragrance and the oil of oil worship and that's what the body of Christ smells like that's why when you step into this place you begin to feel something different because your spirit it senses something different when you step in your spirit can recognize there's something different about this house there's something different about this place there's just something different about when the people of God come together and we begin to lift up worship and we begin to lift up songs and prayer unto our God 
Because the church, the church has an aroma. It's been soaked with the aroma of worship. The church is saturated with the smell of a bride as preparing for the groom. My wife and I, we shoot weddings as, as our business. She does photo, I do video. She's much better of a photographer than I am a videographer. And so for 30 weekends this year, I, my last one is next Saturday. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> 30 weekends this year, we, we were shooting weddings on Saturdays or Fridays. And I'm telling you, when you step into that room where the bride is getting prepared, she's putting on the best perfume that she's got. She's spraying her hair with, with hairspray that's scented. It doesn't just smell like the, the stuff that you get that, 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 from, from Walmart or whatever that just smells like pure Clorox. But every single bride, as she's getting ready for the groom, she is putting on the best and doing the things so that she can be presented as her best. And that's what worship is to God. He looks down and he sees a bride that is preparing herself for a groom. I want to remind you, church, we've got a groom that we're waiting for. Jesus is coming back. And prayer goes up like steams to get wrinkles out of a dress. Prayer is like greenery and florals used in a Okay, it grabs the attention of God who sees a bride that is eagerly getting herself ready because she knows she's got a man coming back. She's got a groom that's on the way. And we as the church, we as the body of Christ, we ought to be doing everything that we can to get ourselves ready for him. We ought to be preparing ourselves with the fragrance of prayer, with the fragrance of worship that he might be be drawn unto us, him our groom, and us as his bride. I want, I want him whenever, whenever he makes his way into my home, I want him to know that I've done things to prepare it for him. I want him to feel comfortable. I want him to smell the candles that I've got burning. The same way that you walk into a room, the same way that you walk into a home, and you can tell there's there's been some there's been some smells going up before here. Whether it's it's food being cooked or candles being burnt, you can just smell the difference. That's what worship does for the body of Christ. Worship is one of those things that separates us in the spirit. But it's not just the bride that has an aroma. It's the groom, too. It's not just us as the bride getting ourselves ready. It's not just us as the bride getting ourselves prepared, but it's the groom, too. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. When you minister to somebody, there's a fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus on it. That's why he said that, that they would be saved by the foolishness of preaching because it might be foolish for the world, but it's, it smells so good to God. Because the fragrance of the knowledge of him is saturated whenever you minister to others. 
For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You see, Christ has an aroma, and it doesn't just attract the saved folk. It says it attracts those who are perishing as well. That's why worship is so important for the church is because whenever we begin to step out of a place of worship, whenever we begin to to quit habits of worship, whenever we allow space in between our lives and worship, that's where we cease smelling like Christ. That's where we cease having his fragrance on our lives. You ever been to a mall food court whenever you're hungry? That is the most dangerous place to be whenever you're hungry. Have you ever fasted and then went to the grocery store? Dear Lord Almighty, pure torture, pure torture. I'll never forget one time my mom growing up, I was was on a fast. This is when I still live with my parents. I was on a fast, and she knew I was on a fast because I tell her, like, Mom, I'm going on a fast. Please don't cook anything. Please don't bake anything. So I want, I, I'm fasting or whatever, and I get home, and she calls me. She's like, hey, can you get some out of the oven? I didn't really even think about it because, like, you know, like, you don't really think a lot when you fast. You're just like, how can I get through this day? I hate my life so much. And so I didn't really even think about it. So she asked me to get some out of the oven, and it's like I pull down that oven. She has a brisket that's big, and it's just like. <laughs> it, was, it was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> when you go to somewhere that, that has the aroma, the fragrance of food, it just hits different when you're hungry. It hits different whenever you're not full. I'm talking about walking and or getting to the drive-thru of a Raising Cane's, man, and you just you roll down that window to order, and it's like already. Oh, man. Smell the bread and the chicken, the sauce. You roll up to you like a Five Guys man, that burger and fries. Oh my lord! Olive Garden. I know it's basic, but those breadsticks slap, bro. Those. I've been to plenty of Italian places. There's still not anywhere that can bake bread like Olive Garden. I don't care if there's 600 calories a stick. I'm still gonna eat about 12 of them. Because that aroma just hits different whenever you're hungry. And sometimes, sometimes you can be going through life. And here's, here's what we don't realize as a church that happens. See, a lot of us work with people. We have friends. We have family members. They don't understand their need for God. They don't, they, don't have, they don't have the same worldview. They don't, they don't think like us. We, we see the need because we've been exposed to the fragrance of the knowledge of him. We have knowledge of Christ, and so we see how he can change their life, but they don't see it yet. So we can't get mad at them for their ignorance because at one point you didn't see it either. But sometimes... We can be going through life, you can be running errands, and you can have been so busy 
that you smell something. You smell some kind of food, and then it hits you. The aroma reveals how hungry you are. I didn't even realize that I hadn't ate all day. But whenever I smelled those chicken fingers, it's like my stomach just started turning. I didn't even realize that I'd been so busy that I didn't stop to get a snack. But that aroma revealed just how famished that I am. That's why it's important that we as the people of God carry the fragrance of Christ with us. Because at some point, you're going to meet somebody that's hungry and they don't know it. You're going to meet somebody that needs nourishment and they didn't even realize it until they got around you and they smelt it and they said, man, I got to have what he's having. But see, whenever you ain't hungry, it shows. People that are full aren't bothered by the food court. People that are full, they're not phased by the breadsticks. And see, what happens is, even we as a church will get so full of all this junk, we spoil our dinner. We get so full of trash, is that that's why we'll sometimes enter to the house of the Lord, and it doesn't hit like it does, because our minds, our hearts, our spirits are so full of the junk food of this world that when the aroma of Christ hits our spirit, it has no effect because we're full. That's why we got to empty ourselves. And what's ironic, is that worship will also, as much as it fills you, it also empties you. That's why regular worship is so important for the church. Regular worship, being engaged with God, not just Sundays, not just Wednesdays, but every single day, inviting him to the table and just spending time in his presence that a little bit of his fragrance might get on you. You can't get the fragrance of him without spending time with him yourself. You might be able to sense it and smell it on someone else. But you can't fully get it on you until you've been spending time with him. But the hungry, the hungry smell it, man. That's why I love ministries like Revive. I remember whenever it was first going on, my first Sunday here after Revive had just started, Bro, yeah, I, you, you, you thought it was, it was a stinking rodeo that was up in here, man. Like it, 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 because, it, because whenever hungry people get a hold of, of the Spirit of God, whenever hungry people get a hold of the bread of life, and then they recognize and realize, man, I can share this with other people. That's why they're ready to take it. And that's what's supposed to happen from the house of God to your house is that you don't leave the fragrance of the presence of the Lord here, but you take it uh, to your home so that when people walk in, they recognize, man, there's something different about this place. There's there's something different about your home. Why do I feel so calm in your home? Why do I feel so much joy and happiness when I get around you? I can tell you why. Because I've been spending time in the presence of God, and you can smell the aroma of Jesus in the Spirit. 
It's different. It's, it's not something that this world, this world cannot replicate the aroma of the presence of Jesus. There are fakes out there, absolutely. But there is no true substitution. And there's some aromas that God absolutely loves, prayer, worship, consecration, praise, dedication. But there are also some things that absolutely stink to him. There's a couple of things that have a stench before the Lord. The first one that we're going to talk about today, religion. I started easy on you. (laughs) Religion has a stench before the Lord. Isaiah 65 says it like this, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walked in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoked me to anger continually to my face. That sacrificed in gardens and burned incense upon altars of brick which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments. Eat the swine's flesh and the broth of the abominable things is in their vessels which say stand by yourself do not come near to me for I am a holier than you Jesus said they stink the word of God says they are a smoke in my nose a fire that burns all the day when we have contorted God to make worship based on what we want rather than what he wants, it becomes a stench into heaven. Once we make our walk with him more about being seen than it is about being hidden, then it is a stench unto God. When we begin to incorporate the things of this world into the things of God, it goes up as a stench before his nostrils. Beware of whenever churches or religions try to incorporate the things of this world into worship. Because I promise you, it does not please God. It's what happened to Nadab and Abihu. Leviticus 10 says that they offered up strange fire. And they were consumed by the Lord. It's believed that what happened is they messed with the incense. They messed with the mixture, and that's what caused their worship to be a strange fire because God did not know it, and God was not going to have it. But they messed with the mixture, and they brought things into their worship that did not belong in the presence of God, and because of that, God consumed them consumed them because they were offering strange fire. The scripture says the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth because the Father seeks such and wants to save him. What we ought to do is not incorporate the things that we want into worship, but we go to him and say, God, How is it that you want me to worship you today? When was the last time that you asked God, how do you want my day to go? 
When was the last time that you asked him, God, what is it that you want me to do for you today? Instead of going to him with the laundry list of all the things that you need him to do for you today. When was the last time that you said, Lord, I don't want to read this with my own understanding, but give me new eyes. Give me your eyes that I might read your word and know you like you want me to. You see, that's what happens when you begin mixing in spirit and truth and you find that place in the middle which is a place that is found on your knees and you say Lord with all of my spirit with all my heart I know the truth is that I need you and the truth is that you can save me and Lord I know my spirit might not be right but your spirit is the one that I need your spirit is the one that I long for give me your presence oh God give me your glory oh God and nothing else. Whenever you begin worshiping like that, Scripture says that he seeks those. That you're no longer having a fine God. But he's looking for you. He's looking for that kind of worship. He's looking for that kind of a person. He's looking for somebody that says, Lord, I want to worship you. In spirit and in truth. Fear. Fear has a stench both in the spirit and physically. There is a pheromone in your body that is produced whenever you are in fear. That's why they say dogs can sense it whenever you're scared because your body begins to emit a certain scent. Simon Wesley, a psychiatrist at King Center for Military Health Research, said that the idea that a fear pheromone could be developed as a chemical weapon is scientifically implausible. There are people trying to create a fear chemical to be able to do chemical warfare and induce fear into enemies. But he said it can't be done. He said you can generate the physical symptoms. You can create the concoction of fear, but people will not necessarily get scared. Meaning that you can try and replicate fear on the outside, but at no effect. Because fear is something that can only be produced from within. The fear pheromone that comes from stress is something that is produced by your very own body. That anytime that you are fearful, it comes from nothing save yourself. But that's where faith steps in. Because faith is not something that you can be given from someone else. Faith and fear are both produced from within. Fear is just simply whenever you have put your faith in the wrong thing, whenever you put your faith in a politician, then it will result in fear because politicians are wavy. Whenever you put your faith into money, your fear will begin to kick in. Why? Because money comes and money goes. Whenever you begin to put your faith into a relationship and that relationship gets toxic, that's 
what produces fear because people cannot please you. And in the same way that God can give you satisfaction, but whenever you put your faith into God Almighty, when you put your faith on the rock that is forever standing, when you put your faith in the Word of God as the grass withers and fades away, it's going to be here long after you and I are gone. That's when you know you have something worth living for. And that's what can produce a faith. Why don't we lift up our hands right now and receive that word? Come on, I feel the spirit of the Lord that's moved in right now. Come on, lift up your hands and say, Lord, I don't want to be a stench before you. God, I don't want to be saturated in religion. I don't want to be saturated in fear. But God, I want you. I want you, Lord. I want, I, I want your presence. I want the aroma of your presence, oh God. Stand with us all across this place. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. If we were to continue this journey of the things that are extension to God, me, I, 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 would, I would go to, yeah, the things that I do, they can be a stench to God. The sin that I commit. It can be a stench just like religion and just like fear is. But contrary to popular belief, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not even the stench of your sin. It has a stench. Your sin has a stench. But not one that God is scared of. See, a lot of us have a reflex whenever we smell something that is so bad that it will, it, will, it will cause our body to react. But whenever God smells the grime of your sin, he has no reflex except to reach. Lazarus was a friend of God. And while Jesus was gone, he dies and is buried for three days. And on the fourth day, Jesus comes and is met by Mary and Martha, one that had the aroma of works and one that had the aroma of worship. And whenever the one that smelt like worship fell at the feet of Jesus, that's when he went to do the miracle. John eleven thirty eight. 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. There's no way. That's what Martha was saying. She wasn't worried about the smell. She was worried about the status. She was more worried about the state of Lazarus than she was the actual stench. But even though Lazarus smelt like death, even though Lazarus smelt like the world that he had been buried in for four days, even though he did not have one ounce of the aroma of life about him, Jesus was not concerned with any of that. 
when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. You see, the resurrection was first found in the Word before it was ever found in life. And that's why whenever you hear the preached Word of God, it will resurrect things within you. It doesn't matter the stench of your past. It doesn't matter the stench of your addiction. It doesn't matter the stench of your depression. It doesn't matter the stench of your mind. It doesn't matter the stench of your hair. It doesn't matter the stench of your background, of your failures, of your faults. Whatever your stench is, whatever you smell like, Jesus looks at you and says, come forth. You weren't made to smell like the world. You weren't made to smell like your past. You weren't made to smell like death. But I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might. Lift up your hands all across this place. Come on, if you know that to be true. If you're thankful for the presence of God. If you're thankful for the word of the Lord. If you're thankful that he's called you out. Come on, let's let's zone in on the spirit right now. Let's lift up our hands like the evening sacrifice. Come on, let's find that place. Let's find that place to the holiest of holies. Come on, let's find that place to say, Lord, I don't care if I have to stagger. I don't care if I have to crawl. I don't care what it is that I have to do. I just want to make my way into your presence. I don't want to smell like this anymore. I don't want to smell like my sin anymore. I don't want to smell like religion anymore. I don't want to smell like fear. But Lord, I want your aroma.